Thank you, Jason. So um, welcome everybody to today's um, Digital Masterclass. Uh, the title of today's Masterclass is uh, how, to, how to Avoid Instagadden, Own Your Social Communities. We, we always like to have a snappy title because otherwise, if we just said we're going to talk about social media a bit, it wouldn't be uh, quite interesting. So uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about how really... Um, we believe, and you know, this isn't kind of sales pattern. Oh, I think your internet's gone, Paul. Right in the middle of your sales pattern. Let's I don't know if you want to kind of just pick up there from where Paul left and join. Yeah, of course. So I think um, what Paul was going to say whilst he got rudely interrupted by the Wi-Fi is I think that, you know, over the last um, 18 months, really, we've really seen a big shift in social media. And I think, um, you know, the journey of social media was obviously it started very organically. It was all about pages and kind of growing your brand pages um, and reaching fans organically. And then it was a bit of a um, kind of advertising. Oh, here he is. He's back. I was just talking about the journey of social, Paul, that it started off with kind of being very organic, growing your pages organically. And then kind of we went into that world of advertising. Um, and, you know, we saw a lot of um, and we still see a lot of brands advertising on social and, you know, really using it as above the line channel. However, I guess what you were probably going to go into is how we feel we've seen a bit of a shift in the last kind of yeah, 12 months. Yeah. So so I think, um, you know, the months you've seen uh, like a massive shift you know uh, people spending more time at home but also um that kind of shift in digital behaviors as people got more comfortable with e-commerce online spending um they probably spent some more time getting to know how the 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 social tools on their on their mobiles and on their laptops worked so they explored more things um, I think content curators, because they had more time, explored new ways of communicating with audiences. So we were just saying before about, you know, the rise of the, you know, the Instagram live, um, you know, who doesn't have a podcast now, who doesn't go live. Um, and and the appetite of people to actually consume that content. Um, and I think the, the critical bit is then not just about consuming content, but the fact that the, the communities form around that as well. And... Uh, you, you know, I don't think we've seen a sector where that hasn't been true. You know, for mm. everything everything that you might sell as a product or a service, uh, there will be a group of people that are that are very interested in what you do, very passionate about it. Um, and um, you know, I think for a lot of brands and businesses, it's been exploring what to do with that, what how should you use that to to benefit your business, benefit your customers, your consumers. Um, so, and I, and I think you know when we when we when we you know that that's kind of a, but then we look at the data points around what's been going on. Um, we can see that there's some pretty hard facts be, behind that as well. So, so globally in in 2020 to 2021, half a billion more people started using social media than did before which is a massive number. Um, the average uh, daily amount of time that people are spending uh, in social is two hours, 22 minutes, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, businesses, um, you know, 91% of businesses anticipate that they're going to increase their social budgets. 78% um, of consumers say that they buy, buy from brands after they've had a positive experience on social media. And I think that is slightly different than seeing a good ad 
Mm-hmm. You know, what does a positive experience mean? It, it means seeing other people talking about a brand, positive communication from the brand, um, other people's experiences. Um, and, and not just in kind of B2B, in B2B as well, um, that, you know, we we now see that social is the biggest channel for B2B marketeers. Um, so, you know, 89% social versus, you know, it's, it's only a little bit low, but 87% on email. So social is kind of rising to dominate all of that. And, um, you know, and obviously on the B2B side, talking more about LinkedIn, but on the B2C side, you know, um, it, we, we wanted to focus a lot on Instagram today because Instagram's mm. been where a lot of interesting and exciting stuff has happened, but we shouldn't be um, forgetting about the, the broader Facebook ecosystem, but also, you know, the continual surprising fact that Snapchat keeps appearing on all our charts whenever we look yeah. at any audience. So Snapchat's not dead, long live Snapchat. Mm. It's not necessarily all about TikTok. So mm. what we're going to do today is to kind of kind of unpick a, a little bit of all of that. But, you know, it's on paid today. We'll talk, we'll talk about paid social next week, um, Masterclass more. But we wanted to really talk about this sense of people getting more engaged with social and, um, and the community kind of side mm. of it. And this real shift that we've seen over the last 12 months, uh, well, 18 months now. So I'm going to hand over to Joe, who's going to kickstart us off. As normal, we've got a bit of a structure that we're following here. So we've kind of got four areas that we're going to talk around. And over to Joe. Thank you, Paul. Um, so I just put off uh, some of the bits and bobs that Paul just mentioned there. I thought it'd be nice to sort of frame a little bit of a sort of shift in our approach towards um, social media and why we're sort of focusing on this word communities and why community is such a, a sort of, yeah, strong focus and how that differs. Because a lot, I think a lot of the time, you, a lot of the, the sort of main goal or one of the main sort of KPIs for a brand on social is how can we how can we grow our following? How can we get that million followers, which, or, or whatever that sort of um, milestone may be. And as much as there's a huge amount of value in having a large following on social, um the, the sense of community i think is where that there's a shift the sense of community is really where the value now lies because you may have 500,000 people who all follow your content and you're broadcasting your messages and the reach is good um but are they engaging with your brand are they uh are they going to be purchasing in the way that you want are you having gaining any influence over them um and i thought a good way to sort of illustrate that is i think most people nowadays will uh will understand that influencers are a big part of a social media strategy and they're they're a really useful tool and you can sort of leverage this this audience that they have who are really highly engaged and maybe around a particular niche but what you're paying for there is the value of a community and what we can do for the brands is own that ourselves instead so rather than sort of outsourcing from one campaign to the next we can sort of leverage all of these little communities. We can just build our own, mm-hmm. um, which I think is like a kind of a nice way to sort of frame why we want to be focused on the communities and the importance of that. And we want to build that deeper connection with consumers rather than just be broadcasting, like Paul was saying, and using the above the line type uh, model. We want to build a really deep connection through social every single day with all of these consumers. Um, so yeah, I think most of the things that we're going to talk through today will sort of um heading towards how we do that um and uh, a kind of neat segue into the first of these four principles is uh is community management which um 
as the name suggests, is probably going to be quite important when we're trying to build communities is how we manage those communities. Um, so yeah, the first one is definitely community management on social media. So um, for the benefit of everyone, what, what, what do we sort of mean when we say community management? And what we're talking about is essentially monitoring all of the social media channels um, and managing all the interactions with, of the, between brand and consumer on social media. I also like bundling creating daily content because that generally is something that's going to fall down to the community manager. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, on, 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 the, on a daily basis. It might be stories. It might be this, that, and the other on Instagram. But yeah. I sort of like bolt that in as, as a community management task as well. I was just going to um, say I had a really interesting article the other day. Sorry to jump in, Joe. Yeah. Um, it was talking about actually renaming community management to, you know, more like community leadership or community ambassador. Yes. I think when we think of sometimes community management, it kind of conjures up a bit of a old school, give it to the intern or grad. Mm. Whereas I think now we're at a point, aren't we, where, you know, you should be taking this very seriously. Yeah. And it encapsulates so much yeah. of what we do on social media. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of yeah like all, all the there's so many different ways and different areas that consumers can engage with your brand that again just fobbing it off on someone who maybe is a little bit younger and understands all those areas yeah. uh, isn't the best way forward um uh and yeah they may they may understand those sort of zones of social media because they use it more often but that doesn't mean that they have like a, a good approach to how the brand needs to engage in all those different ways if it's direct messages comments all this sort of stuff tagged posts reviews there's so many different bits and pieces all over um but yeah the, the community managers are really sort of the the foot soldiers in the war on building a community because they they are just like an extension of so many different teams it's customer service it's brand management it's they're sort of the guardians of tone of voice on social so um yeah community management it's Absolutely essential. So how how do we nail that, I suppose, is a, is a good question to sort of uh, answer or attempt to answer. And one of the big, uh, the big ones in terms of community management is, is to be really, really responsive. Um, so again, to, to just throw a few more stats into, into the ring. Um, on Facebook, the average response time is one hour and 56 minutes. Mm. But consumers want a response within 30 minutes or they expect a response within 30 minutes. Um, so just uh, on another sort of stat, 50% of companies manage to achieve that. So in just being really, really responsive, you, you're sort of differentiating you yourself as a brand from 50% of all other companies on social. So it's kind of a huge thing that you can do. Uh, and again, it requires a sort of always on approach of the community managers constantly being monitoring stuff. And it's, an, it's another good example of where that word community management kind of just sets the wrong emphasis because yeah. managing a community would be kind of stopping this wave of mm. perceived, you know, interest from all these people, whereas community engagement, it should, be, it should be built into the philosophy that you want, want to engage with these people yeah. as possible in the way that they want to engage. Exactly. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Um, so yeah, being super responsive is, and obviously that there's so many in any other uh, area or where you, you place where you might represent your brand, say in, in store or wherever, there are all these things that you definitely you'd want to do. You want to 
present your brand in the best way. And if if things are being left or people don't feel like they're being heard or engaged with in that way, it's just such an it's it is that negative experience. And that's kind of what we're aiming to rectify. You want to have a positive experience. You expect to have almost immediate responses. And it's not always possible to just respond immediately to everything. But a customer service response, you want to get responded to immediately and you want it to be dealt with as far as it can be dealt with on social. I think, again, not to get too into the nitty-gritty, but a lot of times you see generic comments being flown out on on a comment stream and all it takes is just a little bit of community leadership, community engagement to just say, engage in the right way and then take it privately uh, and be escalated to the correct person. And that whole customer experience is is what we're what we're fighting over. Can we make that a good customer experience? If it is, we're more likely to get that person to purchase from our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple that, of good that, examples. That kind of leads nicely onto that um, that idea of being able to flex your brand tone of voice, doesn't it? That um, I think yeah. when you you know everyone hates a, a, a social post that's full up with generic cut and paste responses from a team. But um, so how 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 do we do, do we recommend that you flex your brand tone of voice? How do, how do you think about that? Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things that again, we every single time that we'll do any piece of work on social, we'll have to establish what that tone of voice is um, because how we yeah, how we mitigate all those interactions is absolutely essential. And every interaction that we have is an opportunity to, one, show to the community that we are caring for them and we are leading them and engaging them in that way, but also to flex a bit of brand personality. And that's what people expect uh, and what people come to social media for. I think in a Sprout report this year, there was a stat 82% of internet users visit social media to find funny or entertaining content. And that's not to say that if someone has a customer service issue, you need to make it into some sort of joke. But (laughs) but people are expecting a bit of playfulness and a bit of self-awareness on social. So immediately that adds a bit of a different landscape for your tone of voice. So you sort of have to understand how you can best portray the tone of voice that may already exist or already have the brand guidelines for x y and z but we need to sort of hone that in on how exactly we're going to mitigate all of those different interactions on social um so yeah super important to make sure that as a brand we understand what our tone of voice is and how we can execute that on social and how the nuances may may come around in all of the different and uh different ways that we can engage some really good examples are sort of Yorkshire tea. I mean, I could say innocent. It's like a classic. Everyone talks about innocent, but I know Becca that you uh, you get a little bit eye rolly when it comes to yeah. <laughs> but another one for, for again, obviously we're in Leeds, so uh, I'm sure everyone, a lot of us listening, will be drinking Yorkshire tea on the reg. Mm-hmm. Their their tone of voice on social media is incredible. It's always mm-hmm. very lighthearted, kind of has a wholesome feel as well, mm-hmm. and often very funny and engaging. Uh, even in in uh, in all comments and re- and responses and all that sort of stuff. And you Another get reflex one... from their TV as well, doesn't it? So you have see any of their other kind of wider comms as well. You can kind of see they've got that consistency yeah. across everything. Exactly, but then they're they're not afraid to bung out a meme that's like mm-hmm. like hilarious or um, yeah this that and the other. Um, another example. Oh sorry. Sorry, and, and all all of that's really important because. Um, 
you know, con- consumers don't like brands that aren't being authentic and don't have that natural mm. tone of voice. And um, so, so you'll get the wind from the consumers on that. Um, but also, um, the algorithms themselves prioritise um, or kind of authentic communication versus straight up advertising in people's feeds. So you're more likely to see um, see content that is um, that is that is genuine engagement than you are just um, you know a, a, a straight up ad. So uh, I think that that all, all all of this bit that the the kind of authenticity, the tone of voice is 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 really critical. Um, you know, not just from your brand personality point of view, but actually it's going to influence how 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 visible. You are. Um, on the platform, um, just just kind of moving on to the next area, um, Becca. Um, mm. Do you want to do you want to talk about then the actual content that we're? Um, that we're yeah, doing? I mean, yeah, obviously, really fundamentally, we need to be creating you know great content that our audiences want to engage with. But that is probably easier said than done. Us just telling you to make really good content is probably not that helpful. Um, so I guess just to give you a bit of insight into our process, we when we're looking at you know whether and whatever it is, whether it's you know a story on social or whether it's a big social campaign, we'll always start with insight and research. And I think that's really really important because I think like well, you know Joe and Paul were talking about at the beginning, fundamentally social is about people and it's about connections. And we need to find what those people are interested in, what motivates them, what are their behaviours. Um, and we use loads of different insight and data really to help us understand our audience um, a lot more. You know, um, you know, we're a, a big data driven agency, so we do invest in a lot of tools that will give us things like, you know, search data, social listening, um, YouGov. Um, you know, we subscribe to YouGov profiles. But I would say that there's also a lot of tools out there that are free that can, you know, if anyone's listening to this or watching this um, that, you know, perhaps doesn't have access to that. I think things like also asked and answer the public and Google Trends can um, give you some really good insight into what people are searching for and kind of associated products and um, can help you kind of all associated um, terms, help you kind of understand a bit more around that search. I would say actually looking at, you know, if you're looking at social listening, yes, there's a lot of tools out there, but don't underestimate doing a quick search on Twitter to see what people are talking about and to understand what people are saying about certain keywords. Um, but also looking at your own analytics as well. So whether that's your social platforms, website, and all of that is really, really um, important in building that picture of your audience. So you're kind of starting at a place where you understand what they're interested in, what are their motivations. Um, and I think as well with that kind of great content goes with where that content sits. So, you know, thinking about platforms as well, what are the right platforms for your audiences? Is it, you know, you're coming from a business point of view? Is it more consumer? Are there certain channels that lend themselves more to the kind of content um, that you're looking to create? So then we would really use all of that insight and data we've covered, um, come up with to really think about, right, what are the appropriate channels, but also what are the content topics and areas that we might want to talk about? Um, and I think it's a really funny thing that, you know your your audience is going to be interested in so much stuff but about 95 percent of that won't be relevant to your brand so it's about finding that intersection of what is your audience interested in but what does your brand have authority to talk about and it's finding that kind of bit in the middle that means that you know you've got something that's engaging that your audience is going to come back for time and time again but actually I think like Joe was saying that kind of authenticity as well that it feels like you are um, a brand that does have remit to talk about that 
Um, so I think that's really important. And, you know, within all of those kind of content areas, thinking about is it educational? Is it entertaining? Is it informational? You know, what is your brand's role in delivering this information? It might be all three. It might be that you focus in on one of those areas. And I think, um, you know, we've we've kind of over the years, as we've worked in social, I think it's interesting what Becca said at the beginning about how things have changed, because do remember that when we all started working in social, it was organic and about communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's over the last few years, it's become all about paid, but now we're going back to the communities. And, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about different models for mm-hmm. looking at content and, you know, the, the content pillars that you can build your your social strategy around. And, and Becca's bang on with you know, it's the intersection between, you know, if you kind of, we, we, we used to talk about a flower where at the centre of the flower, you've got your brand and your products and you know, the services that you do. Outside of that, you've got all your audience and what they're interested mm. in. Almost like you think of the petals as the pillars that you're of content that you're using to connect. So that has to be something that's true that you can talk about as your brand and something that your audience are interested in. Mm. And then Lo and behold, you can quite quickly for a lot of different brands get to five or six things that are absolutely the bridges that you know the packles that go in between mm-hmm. your brand and your audiences. Um, mm-hmm. And we we always found that really helpful to have more like that. You almost need to kind of restrict what you do, um, otherwise you're a brand that ends up talking about the weather and football and you know <laughs> and gardening. Before you know it, you're you're way off topic, and you're not actually doing. You're not actually having any benefit to your brand. But also listening to you know, you very quickly know whether you've picked the right ones because people will engage and mm. and kind of have conversations around what you've done. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, once you've got kind of all of that nailed, then you're just kind of taking it and um, into execution and thinking about your brand. But I think, like Joe said, um, when he was talking about community management, it's really important to be thinking about things like tone of voice. You know, how does that translate on social? When are you thinking about your serious tone of voice, your fun tone of voice? How do you flex your kind of branding into that? You know, a social look and feel. What are your rules on things like user generated content? And um, I think branding is always a very interesting one when we get into social and um you know and I think one of the things that we see from um you know we see a lot on social is people maybe not using branding appropriately because they think oh it's social you know people don't want to look at that but I think um you know it's really important because otherwise you're going to get misattributed to another brand and people you know especially if they're not following your brand might see it in their news feed and you know uh best they might forget at worst they'll just attribute it to a competitor so I think that's something that's very very important to consider especially with your yeah. kind of product content I'm going to make I'm going to make up a statistic that 95% of people want at least once a day go now where's that thing that I saw who, who was it by what yeah. was it from I really want to yeah. show it to you so that you're actually doing people a favor by branding and signposting your content because it makes it easy to rediscover it mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think that's something that, you know, definitely we'd recommend, you know, brands really think about how do you do that? And that's not to say it's about just slapping a logo on it. It's really thinking about how you can make it feel, um, you know, like quality uh, content. And, you know, like Paul says, it's about doing that job of signposting. And then I think finally, when we talk about content and really, um, especially when we get into the social world of content, I think, 
gosh, probably going on for about what since Oreo Dunk in the Dark, the kind of the trend of news jacking and brands news jacking, and um, you know. But I think again, um, one of the biggest rules we've got is again, it's about setting out those foundations of going. What are the appropriate areas for us to talk about? Um, you know, what's going to give value to our audience? What is what remit do we have to talk? So if you are going to go down that route of news jacking. Um, you know, thinking about what, you know, what areas are appropriate and not just jumping on to anything trending that's out there. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes I've seen really good examples of it. I think spec savers continuously do that. But again, that is about them taking their full brand and bringing that through to their kind of news jacking. So we definitely think about, you know, it still has to play within your brand and make sure you're getting that, you know, kind of front and centre Um and I guess with that as well, a good example I've seen of news jacking as well, take it beyond social. So if you've got a really great idea, why not look at some digital out of home, things like that. You know, if it's working on social, think about taking it into other channels. Yeah, great. Yeah, sure. OK, so um, so so far we've kind of talked about the importance of um, community management and the fact that we want to stop calling it community management and call it <laughs> community engagement, community leadership or something that that infers that we actually want to talk to our um audiences build a community um we've just uh, talked a little bit about how to think about content that, that that adds value and the importance of kind of using data understanding audience behaviors and and kind of bringing that into a model um but you know yes dear bit of news checking every now and again but um make sure it fits so i guess um the, ne- the next thing we want to talk about is once we're doing all of that um and the question that everybody wants to know is, well, how do we go about growing a community organically? So back over to you, Joe, to pick that yes. one up. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Um, as we sort of mentioned at the top that yeah, we're not really going to really talk about paid. And paid is a huge, uh, it's something that's massive on, on social. Obviously, there's so much opportunity there. But regardless of whether you've got a load of budget for for paid ads or boosting content or this that and the other you have to have a really strong organic strategy and when it comes to growing uh communities particularly on say instagram which is the hardest one because on facebook you can pay for page like ads on twitter you can do the same follow ads instagram you just can't so building an, uh, a community on instagram is purely organic so it's kind of the perfect uh platform to be talking about these organic uh, strategies and the first one which is so much there's so much noise about what you should and shouldn't be doing and how and how you should you should be using them but hashtags on instagram i'm sure there'll be a lot of people who've seen various blogs or influencers saying this and the other um regardless of what anyone says and how many you should use you, you should use as many hashtags as you can <laughs> to build reach but there's a few sort of things, sort of caveats in, in how you should use hashtags to build a community and to increase your reach and awareness, all that sort of good stuff. And that's to make sure they're super, super relevant. People follow brands, they follow branded hashtags, they follow hashtags in general. And if you're just plonking in 30 hashtags with the, each hashtag a million people use, and it's got nothing to do with the content it's not gonna it's not helping anyone it's not helping people discover your content you're not helping to add value to the consumers like we were talking about so uh, it's got to be super super relevant to the uh, the post the content that you're using uh 
and serve the brand niche as well. Um, and then also in terms of reach, just talking about not piling in 30 hashtags that have a million people posting. Uh, I have, a, or we have like a sort of rough gauge guide that you can use, which is to sit within 10,000 posts and 500,000 posts is kind of good. Above that, 500 to 800,000 is okay. Don't use any hashtags that are less than 10,000, except for your branded ones, or over 800,000, because you're just not going to get seen in that sea of content. Say a hashtag that's outfit of the day, how many people post a picture on Instagram that's hashtag OOTD every single day? And you, unless you are just like a massive uh, account that everyone's going to be looking at, you're just going to get a wash in a sea of hashtags. So hashtag super important on Instagram. Um, and a lot of brands, I think, sort of fall short of having a hashtag strategy and don't really use them as best they could to draw people to their content. Um, but yeah, you've got to go about it the right way. And and uh, and so many, I hear so many people saying who are Instagram gurus saying, oh, you should use five to six hashtags every single. It's it's uh, it's all myths, myths, myths all over the place. So yeah, hashtag strategy is definitely massively important in terms of building a community um, and links into community management when you need branded hashtags, making sure that anyone who uses it is getting responded to all ties in nice and neatly. Um, so other than hashtags, there are a couple of other strategies, obviously, that people use on, on uh, Instagram to build communities and following is like a classic. It's, it's Instagram Community Building 101. Anyone who started out on Instagram, brand or not, immediately the first thing you have to do is start following a load of accounts and start interacting with other accounts to, to build that sort of in, initial organic reach and get people to show uh, show that you're on Instagram, this is what you're doing, yada, yada, yada. But it's still really important, even if you've got over 10,000, 20,000 uh, followers, to be interacting in that way because that is it ties back into that authenticity. The platforms want people to be acting authentically and it's not just a playground for brands to broadcast what brands do. So acting authentically and again it's probably a community management job following other accounts that are relevant within the niche not only gets a little bit of awareness they'll get a little notification that whatever whichever the brand is has followed them mm. it starts that initial interaction you can have a little bit of a conversation try and build a little bit of a relationship um but you're also just acting authentically on the platform as well so it's going to help with your sort of organic performance um and it's not just following other accounts, unfollowing accounts that aren't engaged anymore is a big one. A lot of people, whether they do it consciously or not, will see a brand having X amount of followers and then how many brands they're following and sort of make a judgment of about mm -hmm. the brand based on that. You obviously want to have more followers than you're following because you want everyone to think that you're you're this incredible, uh, popular creative, kid. popular kid. Exactly. Um, but... Yeah, so unfollowing all of those brand, uh, brands or accounts or whatever that you have followed in the past and not doesn't engage with uh, your content is, is, again, super important. Um, and then again, in terms of like content and some of the classic organic growth strategies, comps are a massive one. I'm sure everyone has seen brands do these massive giveaways, loads of and opportunities to sort of collaborate with other brands. Uh, 
and give away some yeah, really cool prizes. And on Instagram, you, you can have a little entry mechanism where you have to follow the accounts or engage with the posts or share the posts in order to enter the competitions. Again, it's a really good sort of tried and tested technique. Um, but there are, you can overdo it basically. I've, I've worked with brands in the past where they've wanted really, really rapid organic growth and you do a, a competition every week and it obviously people just get bored, saturated by the fact that they're constantly having to follow this, that and the other. And also, if you're just serving those comps to your own audience already, they're already following you. So it kind of, obviously, you want to get them engaged and they have the opportunity to get earn this reward, but also it doesn't really serve the purpose of building that community as well. Um, so that's why collaborations are a great way. You can, again, tie it into influence work, do a competition with an influencer and sort of leverage their audience as well in order to try and bring them into our brand audience and sort of convert them over, over as members of our community. Mm-hmm. What you can also do is hold competitions just for your community members. Again, that's a reward uh, for all those people who are engaged in the brand, all those people who are probably going to be, yeah, they're kind of engaged. They might become a bit more loyal. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you give them all some, some uh, uh, like a private little comp, a little reward. And we're getting that, those brand advocates that are just going to stay really true, building that longer, that stronger connection. Um, so yeah, comps are another biggie um, in terms of uh, particular on Instagram in uh, building those communities. Um, and then sort of last but not least is, thinking of ways to tie in other sort of content areas or the wider content ecosystem into what we're doing. So yes, obviously social media is is in and of itself, but do we have any other channels that we can sort of tie into this? Do we have like a community space online, like say like an e-commerce website, you have to log in, you you might have your little space. Can we sort of tie into that? Some little interaction between where the community members are all over the sort of digital universe and can we input that into what we do on social say for, say for example on facebook we have a facebook group that's private do can we have some sort of like insider little connections between what they do on, on online and what they do on social um again it's like a think about it as a wider customer community experience mm-hmm. rather than just so like just on social yeah. um so yeah it's kind of like patching all those little bits together to make the experience as good uh for all the community members and that's again a kind of why it's a bit of a uh, an approach shift from how do i just get followers to how can i serve each community member and really offer them something of value to keep them engaged Mm-hmm. Um, we can create really cool creative to attract people to the brand, but what can we do to keep them engaged? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the competition might be that little, uh, that little sort of like sweet treat to get them involved. But then, how can we keep them engaged constantly? 
Cool. So I think um, so. So we kind of explored some some uh, you know un- undoubtedly that they're, they're, they're good strategies to follow and to mm-hmm. kind of you know, to put into your strategy and take seriously. Um, and I think you know, and we, we've had a couple of questions in. Uh, from the attendees, which, which I think you know, we'll get kind of covering this in this very last bit now that Becca's mm-hmm. just going to talk about. Which is, I guess, once you've got your head around the principles, you've got your processes in place. How how are you actually kind of managing this, keeping track of what you're doing, the performance, and it's all about the tools, isn't it, Becca? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I guess, first off, I think going back to um, Again, understanding, um, you know, why your audience is there and what your audiences want. But, you know, there's a load of tools out there will tell you the kind of formats that they're engaged with. Um, you know, you can utilise on, I know we're specifically talking about Instagram um, in this session, but across wider social channels, you know, is it video content? Is it informative content on LinkedIn? You know, really um, what is going to get them going? So we definitely recommend, um, you know, looking at things like, like I say, YouGov is a really good one that we use, but, you know, it might be looking at your own analytics to go right what kind of things have my audiences been engaging with is there a bit of a pattern to what kind of formats seem to be working well um but then i think really when we start looking at different kind of tools and formats on um platforms i think it's really i think you know we all agree it's really important to embrace those new kind of formats that my you know platforms might be coming out with and i think you know we've seen instagram has been particularly um proactive in new formats whether that's reels igtv live stories you know within stories having things like you know shoppable links and um gifs and polls and things like that so i think it's really about making sure that you know when those are introduced you're taking full advantage of that and I think one thing that we definitely see as well is newer formats in social platforms tend to get a better kind of organic reach um, because the platform is generally prioritizing it so thinking about um, you know stories we know that delivers a higher reach than in feed um, so thinking about that but then also things like reels and IGTV um, you know really Instagram wants everyone to be using them and it has to give a benefit to people using them so making sure that we're kind of taking advantage of that newness but I think you know once we get into why of platforms as well it's also thinking about how can they be used so things like groups um you know and how they you know like i was talking about earlier what are the platforms for um but i think probably facebook groups is quite an underutilized platform um for brands i know some brands have tried it but i think um there's some great examples of really strong communities out there on facebook groups so i think um, peloton is a really really good one of a kind of space that they've created where everyone gets together and talks about it and the kind of leadership boards and kind of motivation and they've got a really thriving group um i I'm a big fan of the Caroline Heron skincare group. Um, so going on there and it's all about that kind of facilitation between conversation um, with people. So making sure we're kind of testing all of those out, but actually thinking about kind of newer platforms as well. So obviously over the last kind of six months, really, it's all been about Clubhouse. But um, what you'll start to see as well is a new platform will come out and then that will kind of drip into other established social channels. So, you know, you're kind of seeing Twitter um, with an audio feature and I think um, am I right in saying Joe Instagram are introducing a kind of audio uh, only feature as well yeah. so again keeping an eye on all of that to see what we could be taking advantage of um, when it comes to that 
Um, and I think, you know, it is really, really important, like I said, to kind of get your head around the kind of content channels. But then once you're doing it on a day to day basis, really thinking about, right, what's going to up your game on it? Is it kind of testing new formats, having to play around with them um, and making sure you're taking staying on top of that? And then I think finally, probably to add into that, making sure you're taking advantage of all the reporting in platform on all of the tools as well. Um, so making sure you're kind of having a look at Facebook insights, having a look at Instagram insights and making sure you're kind of getting a very regular read on that and really kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of what's driving your follower growth up what kind of formats are meaning that you get higher engagement or are getting clicks through to something or just making sure that you're kind of doing that at a regular point in time yeah yeah sure. and 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 I guess that that you know the the rules and the principles and the strategies um evolve all the time as mm. the algorithm shift to serve new formats and, and that kind of thing. I, th- I think that I think the point that Joe made about um, you know making sure that everything is joined up is mm. is a real critical point here. And um, you know I, th- I think some of the biggest decisions that we see our clients um, you know struggling with are: do you duplicate um, mm. content between Instagram and Facebook? Do you do you know do, do you treat everything differently? And um, you know, there the, the probably isn't always a, um, a, 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 just a single answer to that because mm. it will depend on your audience and how they're using that mm. platform. Um, mm. But um, you know, and I think it is really interesting talking about things like Facebook groups because we know that Facebook groups has kind of almost been the savior of Facebook, but mm. that's more our local communities mm. and you know, ranting about the bin collections. But <laughs> that, that new way, of, that new way of using Facebook then can. Mm. Know, offer opportunities to brands and you know we see really good examples like yeah rafa cycling and you know mm. things like that so. yeah and the fact that facebook groups are prioritized in a mm. user's feed is also a huge one like in terms of talking about organic strategies mm. if uh obviously we know that organic uh reaches dropped for brands on facebook and instagram but on facebook if you have a really highly engaged group people are going to be seeing your group Mm. constantly every single day organically so yeah sorry to jump in but great okay so um right well we're, we're kind of out of time um so we did we, we covered we, we actually attempted to cover quite a lot there um, yeah. so, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully some of it will have been um useful and, and helpful i think the you know clearly for every single thing that we talk about here there's probably a half hour discussion whether we talk about how to use reels how to use stories and what makes a really good um you know instagram live um how frequently should you do a podcast how frequently should you post and you know a lot of the answers are it kind of depends on your community mm. um so, but I think I think the key takeaways that we wanted to kind of do, and we probably probably will do a follow up, is the fact that yes, the world has changed uh, again, and this importance of communities and how investing in community management or community engagement is really critical, and it kind of underpins, you know. That, that, that approach of, of, of being really quite analytical and uh, but also engaging and the human face of your brand and actually mm. trying to build communities is definitely the way forward. Um, we know that our social contracts add value. Um, I think, um, you know, and, and, you know, within that value, that value should start conversations. People often say, I don't get any engagement. How do I get people to talk? Well, ask questions, start conversations. Be prepared to to have a conversation and get stuck in. Um, 
we know that that then you know don't just think that your only growth strategy is to do paid advertising your growth strategy needs to think about hashtags follow strategies and think about formats think about the frequencies that you're mm-hmm. at thinking about connecting with the rest of your content and any that you have communities um so you have to have an organic growth strategy not just a social strategy you need an organic social strategy um and I think that the, the final point that Becca was uh, covering was um, t- talking about the tools. You know, the tools give you the window into the world of, of what's going on mm. with all these formats and who you're engaging with and the, and the right frequencies. And, um, yeah, um, use them, learn them. And, um, you, you know, and, and you know some of the other tools that you, you might subscribe to will help you get to the right answers. So, um I mean, hopefully that's been useful. Um, you know, this is uh, the whole area of community engagement um, is uh, is a service that we offer from MediaWorks and, you know, some great experience, got some brilliant people working in this area. You've just met two of them today. So, you know, thank you very <laughs> much, uh, Becca and uh, Joe. And we didn't say people's job titles at the beginning, but Becca was is our head of strategic planning and joe this was his first masterclass today so well done joe it's always <laughs> it's always, always tricky one to do first one but joe's you our made a bang. Uh, joe's senior social manager so well done joe and, and thanks very much and um for all the attendees um i'm sure we'll follow up with you um and um you know um be be very good to talk to any of you out there that that feel like we might be able to help you with your um organic strategy for your business to your brand so um thanks very much everyone and um tune in next week because we'll be carrying on and talking about paid social mm. so thank you and enjoy the rest of your day bye for now bye, bye.